Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to Sweet Tea and TV. This is Nikki. And Selena. From the future. Coming back in time from season five of our show to thank you for joining us and to give you a brief note before you jump in. As we're recording this, we're in 2023. We started this podcast in 2021, so we've had a little more experience since we started. In particular, when we think about the first season, we'll never not think about the audio quality. Boy, we struggled. That's right. At times we were recording in different places. Sometimes our recording service would just shut down or just not work the same way it did the week before. It was a real journey. All that to say, it might not be the best listen in places. So if this is your first time listening, we want you to know the audio quality gets so much better in season two as we learn more and made some improvements. And we hope you'll stay with us long enough to find that out. Now, let's get into it. Hey y'all, I'm Nikki. And I'm Selena, and this is Sweet Tea TV, a podcast by two Southerners exploring and celebrating the better parts of Southern culture on TV and in entertainment. In our first season, we'll dive into the iconic show Designing Women, a series far ahead of its time, following four strong, brazen women right here in our backyard, Atlanta. So join us as we break down each episode and discuss what they got right, what they got wrong, and how this show holds 30 plus years later. Come on, let's get into it. Hey, Nikki. Hey, Selena. I feel like one day, one day, not today, I'm going to find a less awkward way to start this with you, but it's not today, so... Today's not the Today day. Today is not the day. Uh, so just real quick before we jump into episode seven, we're close to 10. That's so close to 10. We're moving along. Um, which is Perky's visit. We'll get into the Hulu description shortly, or you will. I just wanted to do two things that are related to um, our southernness here. They're like pop okay. culture things, like on oh. TV specifically, just to flag for you. Um one is Cruel Summer. Have you heard of this? Yes. Was it because of me? No. Oh, good. <laughs> no. I think it was because of People.com and or BuzzFeed. Okay. So do you know what it's about then? Vaguely. All right. So, I mean, I don't want to spend too long on it, but it's it, it's Jessica Bill's like a producer, I think. And it's, it's mm-hmm. like a whodunit, suspenseful kind of show that follows essentially two teenage girls in 1993 94 and 95 and it looks at like the same days like on every episode across each one of those years and things that have changed changed across those years Mm -hmm. one girl was abducted the other girl the tv is the tv show is like implicating her as being somehow knowing or being involved at some level in this girl's abduction Um, even though she's no longer abducted. It really is. It's so good. But I'm mentioning it because it's, um, it takes place in Texas, which Mm -hmm. we're currently in an argument. I'm in an argument myself over whether or not that's the (laughs) South. And I'm only in an argument because if, and when people start listening to this, they may have some, something to say about us calling it part of the South. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about Nikki's nibbles. That's N I B as in boy, B as in boy, L E S. And they make a Whataburger reference. And so I was mm. just thinking about, and Whataburger is a Texas thing. And I was just thinking like, you know, 35 years passes and like people really finally, they're like, you know what? We're going to use a Texas chain. 
So good for them. Good for them. That makes me proud. Not in 1986 and not on Designing Women, but there you go. Sure. Um, can I just ask, what do you think the odds are that they listen to my Nikki's nibbles and I, B as in boy, B as in boy, L-E-S, and that's what made them choose that? I want to say that it's high, except for we just, uh, I think that uh, episode released after your Nikki's nibbles in your inaugural. <laughs> right, right, right. After that had already come out and after it was made. But other than so that, you don't think they fixed it real quick? Uh, you know what? We don't really know that. Who, who's to Who say? Who is to say? I mean, maybe Jessica Biel is like, you know what? These two girls, they got it going on. These she listens. Yeah, these two ladies. Uh, and my second plug is actually a Designing Women cast member. Did you know that Jean Smart is in a television show right now? Oh my gosh! I just found that out. Yeah. So it's uh, Mayor of East Town. Oh, I hope that's really it. <laughs> We were watching something on TV and a commercial came up and I said, that's her. That's Jean Smart. And Kyle was like, who? And I was like, from Designing Women. And then like a little later, he brought it up again and he goes, that lady, Jennifer, Jeannie, what did you say? It's like, Jean Smart, man, come on. Yeah, he's going to have to get with it. He is. Don't tell him I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he listens, surely. He'll find out himself. Right, Kyle? Right. So this is, uh, I'm starting to quiz Casey as well. So we'll see. Are they <laughs> passing the test? But anyway, so she is in this show, um, Jean Smart, who plays Charlene. I don't know if we said that or not, the Charlene part. So just want to throw that on in there. And I'm just going to say that this is not a Southern show. It takes place in Philadelphia. Um, they have an interesting not accent. Interested. Did you say you're not interested? <laughs> All to say that you're not going to hear a Southern version of Gene Smart. You'll hear the Philly version, but it's a really good show because anything with Kate Winslet, I hate, I hate to tell you, is amazing. <laughs> I don't know why I hate to tell you, but I hate to tell you. I know. I was going to say, don't you love to tell us? I love to tell you. Uh, so that was my two quick plugs. That At five minutes and 26 seconds, that's still the quickest I've ever been. So I'm working on it. Um Perfect. So there you go. Two Southern things, guys. Kind of, sort of. We got a relationship to designing women. We got a maybe Texas is Southern. We'll keep on having that debate amongst ourselves here. And then it's really just me. Nikki's like, I don't care, Selena. I'm trying to get to this episode description. Well, I'm trying to decide if I should tell you my friend told me this morning while you're plugging other TV shows that Friday Night Lights, which takes place in Texas, the TV show, uh, is on Hulu now. We were having trouble finding it streaming. It's available on Hulu now. Oh, well, all right. So there you yeah. go. Well, I think that's on our list too, isn't it? It should so, be. Well, we're just, you're Southern. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you're Southern for the purposes of our podcast. Um, so with that in mind, and now that we've gone into all of those things, lady, would you like to take us through the episode description of Perky's visit and break for the audience? is perky let's find out hulu says julia and suzanne's mother aka perky arrives with a friend hoping to escape the dull routine of their retirement home by visiting sugar bakers for thanksgiving and they find more excitement than they had ever hoped for i like this description and i'm just gonna say because it's like it's a total it's first of all it's thanksgiving What's not to like? Uh-huh. Sure. It's a food based around holiday. 
It's a holiday based around well, food. Well, I just figured I'd go ahead and finish out my mess up. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I was just going to take it all the way. It's a holiday based around food. And I like Thanksgiving episodes because I feel like the whole point, no matter what Thanksgiving episode you watch, is to bring together this weird cast of characters that shouldn't be together. That's like the check, check mark of a good Thanksgiving episode. And then shenanigans ensue. Um, so, and I feel like you get an, you get extra credit if someone can't cook, but they're responsible for cooking. Uh, not that we're foreshadowing anything. Oh yeah. Let's see if that happens. Who knows? That could be the big thing. Right. And that's what we get, right? We we sort of open the show. Suzanne is preparing a big Thanksgiving because her and Julia's mom, as the description kind of outlined there is coming to town and, um, and then we also, in this scene, I'm just going to say, I'll go ahead and just jump to the point that Julia and Mary Jo have a bad experience at the bank, but we can cover the Thanksgiving part first, if that's okay, uh, sure. or the preparations. Sure. Well, our bingo card like leveled up this time because not only does it open with Charlene on the phone, she's crying. So she's on the phone and crying. So I feel like somehow that counts for extra credit. I like that. I mean, I don't like that she's crying. I know. I mean, it, well, it was kind of sad, but also like there's like the audience laughter that they've got piped in, which yeah. is so lovely. Um, but what spoiler Mason is moving to Tokyo. We haven't seen him since episode three, but they're still together. Right. And uh, Charlene is devastated. Yeah. So uh, to your point, Suzanne is learning how to cook. Yeah. <laughs> on Thanksgiving Char- or the day before. Charlene tells her that's a terrible time to learn how to cook yes and we sort of and this is really the plot device I think to tell us who all we should be seeing at Thanksgiving which is supposedly going to be Mary Jo JD um, you know the, uh, Suzanne and Julia's mom their mom's friend and to Charlene's point they're all going to be expecting da, 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 food so <laughs> Um, and then we kind of get to the next cause it, that's kind of like our opener. I think that would be our cold open. That thing that you told me in our last episode, Selena move on. Nobody cares, <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of, that's our, that's our shtick. I say things. Nikki looks at me like I'm dumb. You guys can't see it, but she does it with like a really pretty smile on her face. So y'all can't see that. Either. I don't know what she's talking yeah, about. Whatever. Cause she'd be talking about. Um, so Anthony pops in briefly uh, he's been at Tommy Thompson's house, which is one of their clients. Right. I wanted to say that at the very end of the episode, <laughs> in the rolling credits, Tommy Thompson, uh-huh. did you notice this? He's the unit manager. I don't know what that oh. is, but it's some kind of manager for the show. So it's funny. So they use his name. Oh, that is funny. Yeah. And I love it when they do that on shows. I don't. I don't know if that they ever... They didn't have to go far. Yeah. They didn't have to be terribly creative. No. But I think that's such a nice nod because, you know, people who are on the show, like behind the scenes, they don't really always get a lot of credit, especially if you're not like the showrunner or like really well known. I So I think it's cool when they slip in the names like this. Yeah. Um, that's off topic, but I couldn't help myself because I thought that was nice. Um, but anyway, so he's been at Tommy Thompson's house. Um or he was supposed to be, he's like laid on some deliveries. I, I don't think that's really the most important part. The most important part is, well, he says two things. First, he relays like a kind of weird story where he's talking about how basically Tommy and like uh, his business partner are hitting on him. 
And, and I, I mean, that's not really that big of a deal. The impression's a little unnecessary, but again, I'm just going to pull out our 1986 card and go, (laughs) not surprised. Yeah. Right. Uh, And then, um, but mostly he's really annoyed with Tommy because Tommy's talking crap on Julia. Right. Yeah. And Anthony doesn't like it. He doesn't. And, um, and I guess like they're talking about how maybe he's, uh, Tommy's like really, you know, trying to start his own design house and all of this stuff. And, and Anthony says, uh, something like if he doesn't watch his mouth, he's going to be a gone customer customer. Yeah. So, so we get that. And then also like one more like fat shaming joke that, yeah, uh, I, they had to, I feel like maybe they had to do it one more time. Yeah. Look, guys, we spent enough time on that in episode three. Go back to the Mason Dodd episode. Yeah, just go back to that episode. It was just kind of ridiculous and just it wasn't really all that funny. So there's that. But there were a couple of funny parts of Anthony. Yeah. One, I think we should add Anthony saying dude to our uh, bingo card. Because uh, I love when he says the word dude. I use the word dude all the time. I think it's hilarious. It. The other thing that was really funny to me was when he was telling the little anecdote about asking to borrow a guy's cell phone at um, a traffic light. And he, he has this impression of a businessman saying, would you go into my office immediately and staple everything on my desk? That just made me laugh really hard. It was really oh, good. Was well, and it was very like, obviously no one can live without their phone anymore. And this is a car right. phone. But I, right. and so it just, it it did sort of like, age that but it's still in this way where i don't know he's just got such great delivery it was pretty wonderful yeah we also learn in this scene i don't think they mentioned at the top but anthony is going to be attending thanksgiving so well he could have gone to his parole officer's house but that's kind of grim you know (laughs) right he might go to jail if he uses the wrong fork (laughs) i love that so um we do get that and then the other big piece of this very first act in the show is about mary joe and julia um they kind of fly in the door they're very rattled Mary Jo. They come in in a tizzy, Ooh, would you say? I, I would say that. And I feel like... Ma- <laughs> they don't flaunt in. I, I mean, I'm thinking maybe we've got another thing for, our, you know, guys, pretty soon. You keep hearing Nikki and I talk about the bingo card, but we haven't ever really said anything, <laughs> really, except for <laughs> there's for a bingo card. But eventually we're going to fill you out... You don't think they can put it together, <laughs> I don't know what anybody can put together at the end of a long day. <laughs> If people are listening at the uh, uh, to this at the end of a long day, I'm so sorry. I've got a little bug that's working its way around my desk. Oh, and, that sounds fun. Yes, and I just keep watching it because I don't necessarily want to kill it, but I don't want it to come near me. So there, that's just a little... <laughs> don't take your eyes off the bug. Right. That's just a little podcast action for you right now in, in case you're wondering... <laughs> Always excited. What's going on in Selena's world? Oh, she's just watching some bugs run around the light on her desk. It's cool. Um, <laughs> so anyways, this whole... They're coming in a tizzy. I love it. The... Uh, Sorry, guys, this is what happens when I'm looking at a a bug crawling around on the desk. But basically, we were eventually wanting to put together a bingo card so we can all play bingo together across the episodes. That's it. Uh, There you go. (laughs) Back to the tizzy. (laughs) Um, This is me like... We've had a tizzy of our own. I know. This is like me like half caffeinated. Um, So, uh, but they, they, they come in and essentially, like, I think their car broke down. And they were at the bank. Um, keep me honest, okay, Nikki? 
Well, you know, I was going to, and then as soon as you said their car broke down, I was like, is that what happened? No, I don't remember. Well, it was either their car broke down or it was already broke down and like they had taken it to the shop. It was one of the yeah. two. Either way, they did not have their car. The carless. They, and there, there were only two options. Wait until 10 a.m. to go inside the bank or go now and go through the drive through and walk through. Right. And so Julia's like relaying this story. Mary Jo's popping. Julia's like, this all makes perfect sense. And Mary Jo's sort of the voice of reason here because they tell Julia, you, you, we can't help you because you're not in a car. And then right. they tell, uh, and then so she jumps in the back of somebody else's car and tells them to drive through the drive through. So I low key love the first part of the setup because it sort of hits on a lot of things I've wondered my entire life, which is, is it illegal to walk through a drive-thru? I've always been curious about that. So I don't know. I didn't think it was illegal. I figured they would help you if you walked through, but according to Julia, they do not at the bank and they do not look kindly on you commandeering the person's car behind you either. And they will call the police on you. Well, that was a really strange choice, I think, to jump in someone's car. I think it says a little bit about Julia and what she thinks is okay and her kind of interesting set of standards and morals, whatever. Yeah. I have walked through a drive-thru before, but not at a bank. Oh, where? Uh, like a fast food restaurant. Which one? McDonald's. They let Ooh. us do it. Well, sure they did. I, I was also like 12. Oh. Yeah. By yourself? I'm surprised. Uh, so we were on. Or with your mom. <laughs> Did your mom make <laughs> mom, you do it? Mom, let me walk through this drive through It sounds like something I would have done. But we were actually like uh, on a church camp trip. Oh. And everybody had piled off. And there were like a few of us who were like, will they let us order if we go walk through the drive through And they did. So I don't see why not. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, it happened. The next thing I know, they have to come pull her out of that car. And tell her, no, you can't be in the back of somebody's car. And then also the police have to come as well. Right. And so that's how their morning happened. And I don't want to belabor this point. It was There was a cute exchange between Suzanne and Julia. Julia talking about how her defense would be that she'd go through her, the vehicle that God gave her, her, her God-given body or something like that. Um, and then Suzanne, of course, makes... A really snarky comment. Oh, Julia, no judge is going to believe that. If you got to choose, you would have selected a newer model. <laughs> she has a very sing-songy delivery. Yeah, she in does. In everything that she does. This is where Julia states she's not in the mood and she wants to pursue this line of thought. She'd be glad to grab her husband's elephant gun and blow her and her homemade buns out of here because she's making rolls, guys. She was making rolls. Rolls that nobody wants. The elephant gun... I have that highlighted in like a lot of question marks because does this mean that her husband was hunting elephants? I think that's exactly what it means. I can't even with that. <laughs> we don't know for sure. We shouldn't slander him. He's not here to defend that's, himself. This made but up character who what passed they away. <laughs> yeah. For, I, was, I was like, please let it be an elephant gun like that makes noise that like you blow it, only elephants can hear it. <laughs> and it makes them gather. Sure. Yeah, that's it. We know that's not it, guys, but I just couldn't with that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so that is pretty much wrapping up our first act. So then when we open back up, we've arrived at Thanksgiving Day. It's here. It's uh, It's here. 
it's a big day. We've got lots of people who are here, some people who are not. Um, so when the scene opens, the um, designing women ladies are sitting around. Uh, Suzanne's cooking. Mary Jo sort of has a moment because it's her first Thanksgiving without her kids. Um, and then in walks Perky. We meet Perky for the first time. And she has a friend with her. She, and she's a friend. Her friend is unique. <laughs> yes, her friend is unique. <laughs> her friend is Bernice. Yeah, and she's got a little bit of an arterial, <laughs> an arterial flow problem above the neck or something. That's okay, honey, because they're honest with each other. <laughs> I want you to tell people that's my problem. I know for sure it's mine. So, I, what can you do? So Bernice has a, it. It sounds like maybe um, Julia was supposed to pick up Perky and Bernice, but they got a little impatient, so they made their way over there. Um, and they flaunt in. We know where Suzanne oh, yeah. got it from. I mean, I don't know about Bernice, mm-hmm. but I felt like Perky did a little flaunt. A little flaunt scene. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. Anytime someone barges in on Thanksgiving Day and asks for someone to put some daiquiris in the blender, I think that qualifies as a flaunt. I think this sounds like, I think it sounds like my husband's family, which oh. I kind of loved. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just feel like that's how that's how they operate. They've got like... A signature cocktail every holiday, whatever Perfect. their latest thing is, and everybody's going to get a taste. And they're just, you know, they're really hospitable and kind about it and everything. But you're getting some kind of daiquiri. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's what Perky wanted. I don't know if Perky got that. Um, but there was a funny interaction right there at the beginning between Bernice and um, Suzanne. I loved it. It was so, I'm sure I know you from somewhere. Yeah, no, I do. You're from America, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, I guess I am. The look on Suzanne's face, it was almost (laughs) like a Jim on the office look to camera. It was this close to breaking the fourth wall. You guys can't (laughs) see, but my fingers are up and it's a very tiny bit between the two. Yeah, that was that was really funny. So they say hi to all the ladies and then they sit down and um, Julia pulls out a paper and starts reading the paper. And I'm laughing because I just thought it was really weird. Her mom's sitting like two feet away from her on Thanksgiving and she pulls out the paper. But whatevs, it moves the scene along. It, yeah, it, it does. Um, and that's that's a really good opener because we get to the plot twist and this whole other thing that we've been waiting for, which we got set up for at the beginning. And basically it's that Tommy Thompson was found dead in his home. So you didn't deliver that well. Sam. I didn't. Tommy I'm... Thompson was found dead. Oh, dead, that's good. Dead, and dead. well, also Suzanne said something about she's a little obsessed with whether or not people are gay or whether they're heterosexual or like whatever. Cause she's, well, I think it's, I think it's cause she's a lady who enjoys the company of men. I... So if men do not oh. reciprocate, then she wants to know. She needs to know why. And I think that's where that might be coming from. Oh my goodness. I didn't think about it like that. I kind of thought they were trying to do some sort of like nosy Southern trope. That's possible too. I like yours better. Or it could be a mixture, right? We don't really know. But that's how the line I think actually gets delivered. Because she was like, is it that he's getting married? And uh, that's not the exact line. And Julia goes, not married, buried. So. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then set like without warning or reason or anything um 
all they know from the paper is that the coroner's report expected to reveal foul play. And suddenly everybody's tossing around Anthony's name. Well, he's been to prison. That's right. He was over there twice yesterday. (laughs) You know, he's always kidding. He'll kill people for them. Like, (laughs) well, Charlene, I don't know if I misheard or something, but Charlene kind of threw in, um, and Anthony told him that he was going to be a dead customer. She said it like that when he told her that. He didn't say he said that to Tommy, did he? No, he's, yeah, I don't think so. I think it was definitely something just there at the office. I mean, we probably should That line was written oddly. It was written oddly. I, I don't know if they were like trying to do continuity. I actually was, I think you were bothered by that line. I was bothered by their joke about Mason um, because apparently like, he didn't know even who that was hardly because in the first one, he's like the big guy. And then yeah. this one, they're like, oh, remember when, uh, or Charlene's like, remember when I was mad at Mason and he offered to off him for me or something like that. Yeah. And then they made this whole like by the pound joke or whatever that yeah. insinuates he knows who he is. Right. So like a continuity there, strangely written part there. I It, it was just, it was all kind of like, yeah, I don't know. But we're getting lost in the detail because the really important part was that Suzanne had spent hours putting together this amazing Thanksgiving dinner and now we're having a murderer over for dinner <laughs> that's the real important part that, that is very important and we know this thing's going to be delicious right um but they're all spark they're spiraling I don't know they're spiraling out um and Charlene ha- you know she says she thinks it's her fault for bringing him on um, Suzanne thinks he looks guilty. I just kind of want to share some of these things because I think it's kind of setting up the way that people act in the next scene because it's a pretty uncomfortable conversation that they're having. It, yeah. Julia has like a really strange line and she says, um, I was never comfortable hiring someone who listed a hobby as trying random codes at automated telemachines. Um, I had a huge eye roll moment on that. I, it didn't seem so what was your eye roll moment who okay who i the who would say that it doesn't feel like anthony no, to me it doesn't yeah that was i, I wrote that down too because i was like that just feels like they just had to i don't know they just had to put something in there yeah the whole thing felt really strange um but then we do get anthony then he comes. Yeah, he's there. With his private reserves. He, with the, the private reserves of Anthony. and Anthony Bouvier. And, <laughs> somehow that sounds better. Well, they were really like hyping up the anxiety here because he seems really like nervous, doesn't he? Oh, really? In juxtaposition. He seems so excited to me. Uh, uh, maybe that's it. I think it was like in juxtaposition to how he came in at the beginning of the show and he just kind of mm. like you know real casually comes in he turns the chair around and like plops down he's like oh. here's what i got here's what you need to know and then in this he's just kind of like <laughs> it's, oh. it's kind of how it feels to me a little bit but maybe he is just really excited i don't know i think there was a little bit of like putting on his best he wanted to be he wanted to be on his best. It's a holiday. He said like he gets what did he, he didn't say he gets weird around holidays, but something something when he's on holiday, he gets something. 
it, yeah, I don't. So, well, this is the line that stood out to me. And this is the one that I wrote down because it, I don't know, it made me laugh. He said, it is, it is indeed a pleasure spending Thanksgiving with all you lovely ladies. I feel as if I've died and gone to white man's heaven. <laughs> and I can't do his Southern accent justice or any of these people's Southern accent justice. Um, but uh, even though I am Southern, but we have different Southern accents. Uh, but uh, I don't know, like even that, like he just felt like he seemed like a little like, it's just like a nervous thing. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, and then it felt like that a little bit more at the table. Um, and that's where we go to next, really. We're at the dinner yeah. table. Um, and then everyone continues acting weird because of this news. And they think Anthony's involved. And then we get like a lot of random information here. <laughs> like I, I was, it felt like it was written to feel frenetic. Yeah. Um, because I, it sure, it sure did. Uh, I was going to tick through some of the things I learned, but I want you to stop me because you want me to stop you now? Just anytime. Stop. Stop. <laughs> um, yeah, you're done. Uh, but like if there was anything that hit you, but I sort of categorized this into two different areas. One are, is like these different plot points that we learn all real quickly here at this one time. The other one, this whole other thing is we learn a lot of things about Anthony in this scene as well. So Susan, we, the first thing that's really important to know is that Suzanne's first attempt at cooking is a disaster. Uh, with the homemade rolls again she offers the homemade rolls nobody takes the homemade rolls but that maroon dish is tasting real flavorful mm. <laughs> says it flavorful it and it, i was kind of surprised it was beets instead of cranberry sauce at thanksgiving yes. um <laughs> and i don't i don't i don't i think cranberry sauce is like a pretty just normal across the board thing but i can't even think of a thanksgiving where somebody hadn't thrown it on the plate at the end <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like it and I like the jelly kind um, not the actual cranberry sauce but I like it because I like to put it with other things right um, like with dressing or whatever like I don't like to, I'm not just sitting there foods. like big spoonfuls of oh, God. oh yeah you don't want me to mention the white cottage cheese food then do you oh my god <laughs> I have made I have Nikki about, sick over the years with my dad. I have like three foods that I think are disgusting, like truly can't be at the table disgusting. And one of them is cottage cheese. What? Uh, one, of, one of them's the canned uh, cranberry sauce. I really don't like that. But I, my mom started making like the whole cranberry. I like that. I like that. It's good. I just, it's a texture thing. Like you get the parts yeah. in it that you can't really eat. I mean, you can, but it just, it feels like maybe you've had like, some twigs oh my gosh this i, I was gonna say this is gonna make me want turkey but not because of what you just said but just because we're talking about thanksgiving foods <laughs> moving on <laughs> moving right well do you like beets that'll be my last question because now i need to know not enough to that not enough to have them at the thanksgiving dinner table no yeah, it seemed like it seemed like an odd choice, but I think at the end of the day, what we're supposed to know is Suzanne indeed cannot cook. Sure, that's what we needed to know. I think um, we also know JD hasn't shown up. It turns out it's because his ex-wife wants to get back together. Um, Perky and Bernice are moving to Montana. That was just kind of <laughs> thrown in there. 
Sure was. And there's not even really that much conversation about it, but that's nope. what's happening. And then um, we get this whole little part how Bernice doesn't know the difference between Bill Cosby and Bing Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if maybe she knew the difference at one point and just doesn't now. I don't. I don't know that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that she's ever known the difference. But I think uh, they're just sort of playing into this eccentric character. And I have a few more thoughts about that. But I'll save those for all southern things. Um, and then I ha- is there anything else that's not Anthony related that struck you during this minute? Oh, not Anthony related. No. I threw a I wrench. <laughs> I, I think that's it. How dare you? Um, but uh, there, there were several things that struck me because we see some actions from Anthony over the course of this scene. I think that really show us who he is and leading up to this scene. He brought some wine. Um, mm-hmm. He screwed off the top. So I'm, <laughs> I don't know Whatever. when we say it's a nice bottle of wine. <laughs> but it's wine. It could be. It could. We don't judge wine by its container. That, yeah, well... Uh, I think we might have been talking about box wine before we started hitting the recall <laughs> button, but who can recall? Um, then uh, then he, we see this happens off screen, but he saved Bernice's life because of Suzanne's dry turkey. She was choking to death on it. <laughs> so he, had to, he knows the Heimlich. Yeah, he, he had to perform the Heimlich maneuver on her. Um, and then he's constantly defending these women. He offered to take care of JD right there at the table. Uh, Mary Jo wasn't okay with that. She was okay for him to take care of the ex-wife. Do with that. Sure. Yeah. Do with that what you will. Sure. Um, I mean, it's a little dramatic, but clearly he cares. Right. I think was my takeaway. Um, and he's also polite as someone can be when Mary Jo asks him why he went to prison. Because <laughs> that's an okay thing to ask at Thanksgiving. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're setting up this kind of funny, like, uh, contrast. Can I, I gotta, yeah, yeah. I, I gotta say something Please. about that, because I gotta, I gotta maybe have to take Mary Jo's side a little mm-hmm. bit, because he routinely tells prison stories, mm-hmm. like, in, and, like, kind of in-depth ones, kind of detailed ones. In this dinner, in fact, he tells a story about... Um, his ring. Someone stole his ring. He heimlicked someone and got it back. So it's, it's I'm good. Very... I'm, can we put that on the bingo card? Heimlick somebody. <laughs> it was a graphic story and it was very prison related. Um, and so if I were in Mary Jo's shoes, all of the social cues are pointing to, he's cool to talk about this point in his life. He's cool to talk about it. He keeps bringing it up. He has things he wants to say about it. So if I were in her shoes, I might have asked as well. If we're going to talk about it, I need, I'm going to go ahead and get, get the elephant out of the room. Why'd you go to jail? I need to know. Yeah. Or in this case, maybe she needs to know because she's trying to figure out if it was for murder. Well, sure. Um, but yeah, I think it is a little bit of a confusing whatever. But there are like a handful of things in people's lives that you let them always lead the conversation. <laughs> You know, and so I would just take the cue that, you know, if they want to share a lot about it, that's okay. But my questions will be minimal. And this is one of those things that I would put in that category. But I can I can also see the other side of that. And it obviously is funny because he like doesn't want to talk about it. But also, here's three stories. (laughs) I think this right here is the face of a woman who's probably at some point in her life asked someone why they went to jail. (laughs) What? You've got a rap sheet? What happened? 
<laughs> you pulled I it. just my see my cue would have been him talking about his prison time and I'd have been like he's cool to talk about this let's go there it's all good <laughs> well and then over here I'm thinking wait a second you can't have jewelry in prison <laughs> this story is flawed Selena, when did you go to prison? How do you know prison rules? Um, we're all working. We're all in prison. <laughs> They're all institutions. That's what I used to think about school. Are we going to talk about the Bill Cosby reference? Uh, I have it in the 80s references. So do you want to talk about it there? Or we can talk about it here. I do not have a preference. Just, all I wanted to say was just, my, how the tables have turned. The times have changed. <laughs> the reference falls on deaf ears. My, how the tables have turned, turned, tables, tables turn. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I had like, uh, I, there's a, I, I basically just have something where I just go control paste for it. That didn't age well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should start doing that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think we can all agree. I think, I think the Bill Cosby thing has probably been milked, but we can all agree that maybe he's not the best role model for anyone these days. (laughs) Um, so that was definitely interesting and in shows again, we're in a different time period. Um, and then the other thing that I caught in this scene about Anthony too, is we learned some stuff about what he's wanting to do with his life. He wants to finish high school, get his degree in medicine, and completely stop using the word be as a verb. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me laugh because, you know, writing. (laughs) Words. Words. Because words are hard. That's why we decided to start a podcast. (laughs) The scene ends with Suzanne bringing out a smoking pie, to which Bernice says, Okay, everybody, make a wish. <laughs> do I get to do I get to do a plug here, Selena? Can I plug my extra sugar where we're going to talk about pie? Oh my goodness, yes! Promote yourself in the <laughs> here. That's it. Make sure you stick around for extra sugar. This week we're going to talk pie. This week's extra sugar is actually about sugar. <laughs> so then we open up on um, the last bit of the show which Selena has aptly titled Post-Thanksgiving Dinner by the Numbers, Four Asses, Two Heart-to-Hearts, and One Murder Suspect. Yay, and that's you said it. it. I mean, is there anything more we need? To, yeah, I said it for you. Is there anything more we need to say about the scene? I mean, that really covers it, right? I, except for the fact that we get some really great lines by Anthony and Bernice, but yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So um, the women are in the kitchen cleaning and Anthony's on the sofa sleeping. That's typically how post-Thanksgiving works. Um, <laughs> right. That's one thing that hasn't aged out in 35 years in case y'all were wondering. I don't even know. Like, and, and every year it hits me and I'm like, what am I doing in here? I just figured out what we both need to do this Thanksgiving. Uh-oh, what's that? Frame Is it going to fix whoever, all my problems? Frame whoever falls asleep on the couch first for murder. <laughs> Is it too much? <laughs> I'm just saying that would teach you to wash a dish. Good thought. Good thought. I'm, I'm, I'll give that some thought. We got a few months. Yeah. You got a few months to forget that. <laughs> so the women are like awkwardly while Anthony is, I don't know, I'm not good with distance, 15 feet away. They're standing there talking about how he murdered someone mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how it had to be him. 
Right. Um, but Perky defends Anthony was the part that really stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, these women are sort of throwing him under the bus. And Perky says, <laughs> Perky accuses Julia. Again, we hear the word highfalutin, but of her um, principles being a little too highfalutin. And um, I, it's it generates for me a weird interaction between Perky, Suzanne, and Julia. Mm-hmm. I feel like Perky is very critical of Julia and very permissive of Suzanne. The baby. Right. I'm, Drives me crazy. That's a, right. Well, I, I'm like only child. Right. <laughs> but I feel like we've talked about this before. Definitely. I'm like in real life. <laughs> But not necessarily while recording, but I think on another episode and talking about just kind of the dynamics. Yeah. And and they're like everybody kind of has a role. It was just annoying to see it play out in real time. It it, it is. And I, I think from an like I, I've, I'm an observer of sibling behavior because it's so intriguing to me. Um, <laughs> just, I had a, an image of you on safari. <laughs> I just got like a notepad <laughs> or for like some reason I've got like one of those old fashioned typewriters and I just two finger typewriting. She's ding, like, ding, 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 ding. she's like, Julia, you're too highfalutin. You're too, you know, whatever. You're too uppity. Why can't you be more like Suzanne and take advantage of our servants and housekeepers? It's so funny that you said that. Cause when she's like, Oh, Julia, sometimes your principles are too highfalutin. And I was like, yeah yeah they are she's being dumb tell her perky <laughs> and then she goes on her father and i never could keep any servants she was always liberating them huh <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> you lost me perky you lost me uh, who outside of downton abbey calls them servants even in 1986 <laughs> i was like what what I, I just how many times in this show am i gonna have to say what is happening but what is happening? So that was very weird. But you're right, because we we do this turn and it's like this whole thing with all of these real emotional notes between Perky and her daughters. Our, I might call this ladies. the part of the part of the show that got weird. It, it, it didn't fit. It felt like shoved in. Uh huh. This like it was the piece that didn't fit, but they were like, you know what, screw it, we're just gonna push it on in there anyway. Well, it's Thanksgiving, so you got to bring all the issues together. That's just how Thanksgiving goes. Well, that's true. I think I'm like there I needed to be it. some family emotion. Yeah, well, I liked it in mine and screaming, but we're all <laughs> different. Um, it, we don't actually get. I don't think. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we actually even. I didn't notice or hear before. That she was in a retirement home. No, I don't think they mentioned that. So this is where we learn it, which is it's something that just stood out in the description, even though I've read it before and hearing you read it. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing they pick up on because it is a thing, but like it's just not really pronounced. And they just sort of it's like the Montana reference. They just kind of slide it in there and then just boop, 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 move on. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, but she like confronts them because she basically does this thing. She's like trying to cheer Suzanne up, yada, yada, yada. And, and then she confronts them both for treating her like an old person. They've really stopped talking to her about things that matter. They want to know if she's taking her medicine, basically. It's mother (laughs) guilt. I can't, I just, this part of the scene was so weird to me that I'm just like, what, what do you, what do you want, Perky? What do you want? Yeah. You guys can't tell, but Nikki is telling me with her eyes. 
move on. <laughs> she's just whatever, Perky. But we learned that she's not moving to Montana. She was doing that as a manipulation. Yeah, um, she wanted to get a rise out of them. And that does feel like Thanksgiving, no? <laughs> what are you going to do with that little manipulation at Thanksgiving? You got to have your dressing, your turkey, three casseroles, some mac and cheese, and some manipulation. <laughs> Sounds like a very healthy Thanksgiving. It's all, it's all part of an emotionally healthy, physically healthy Thanksgiving. That's correct. So while they're having their little family breakdown and then patching it back together, a policeman pulls up mm. and Charlinas worked up about it. She, I think all the women assume he's there for Anthony. Right. And they're ready to sell him out. Well, it's like, it's just this weird vibe in the room, the way it's all been the whole time. Of course, he's still asleep. Sleep. Um, Julia goes to answer the door, very insistent. It's not their place to pass judgment. They need to remember in this quote what she said. This is a black man with a prison record. His life is in our hands. And then as soon as she flings the door open, she, was, she gives him up. There he is. <laughs> it can't be harboring a fugitive. Uh, fortunately, I mean, fortunately, Bernice was there to set the record straight. Was, Anthony had been holding them hostage with all that arterial flow. <laughs> that even though, like, I don't know, you could unpack that scene, this whole scene, in some different ways. But we're going to take the comedic route, and I'm just going to say that Bernice's timing right there was so good. Yes, not really Perky's. Perky's all right, but the way that she's <laughs> Perky's like. That's not what's happening at all. And Bernice is like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's, just, sure. it's just so good. Um, but like the, I felt like there was sort of, I, I don't know. They, the women aren't really defending him, but they're not, I don't know. They're, they're not necessarily, some of them are jumping in. I can't remember who it feels like Mary Jo and Charlene are more in the middle. Instead well, of Charlene like, tries to introduce him formally to the police officer. She, well, she's, it's a manners. <laughs> But we should say by this time, Anthony wakes up because Anthony wakes up right as Bernice is saying that he's holding them hostage. Right. That's a really important part because right. he looks very confused and we get some really great lines from him. Um, he says, I, I don't know why, but I've always hated waking up with white people pointing at me and a police officer standing beside them. Um <laughs> And and if Julia ran over Anthony with that bus at the beginning, Suzanne backs that <laughs> sucker up and hits him again when she proactively brings up Tommy's death and asks, but isn't Anthony a suspect? <laughs> She's like cuffing him. She's like, excuse me, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I'm just going to slip him in the cuffs and we'll just, you can just go ahead and escort him out the door. I mean, it's just shy of that, is it not? Yes. Yeah, she was just trying to help the police officer out. Right. She was trying to ensure a carriage of justice. Well, in addition, this police officer, this is another wonderful thing about turning uh, 36, is that everyone is starting to look young. (laughs) And I was like, what is he, 10? Um, But he looks very confused. He doesn't know what's going on. And then he he finally picks up on all the clues, which is Suzanne saying, Tommy Thompson. Um, I don't know what's more funny, like... The fact that he's like, oh, yeah, the Tommy Thompson case. Or if it's like the fact that there's only one one murder. <laughs> I mean, not that that's funny. It's but, never funny for someone to be murdered. But there's usually a couple going on. Well, alliteration helps. 
Tommy Thompson. It was a nice little thing to keep it top of mind for him. Uh, well, it is a unique name and the unit manager. Right. <laughs> so I've heard. Yeah. Maybe that's him. Who knows? Um, so, uh, but what we quickly learn is that's not why he's here. His business, not at all. No, his business partner confessed already. That's all wrapped up. That's handled. Yeah. He's there to return <laughs> Julia's earring. When he's there walked. on Thanksgiving right. on very important earring business. Why is that just hitting me? <laughs> <laughs> what do, and, and what do we think the odds are? even in 1986, that a police officer is going to prioritize returning someone's crap. Because I don't believe that. I don't think they, I think they would be like, mm, an earring, throw it in Lost and Found. <laughs> if definitely that, not just out in the street house. in 86. They've just been like, <laughs> I'll put this where I put my picnic on the ground. Bugs. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a really good point that I don't know why. All the rest of this has been ridiculous. I'm like, he couldn't have had a ring in jail. <laughs> but I'm like, of course this office is here on Thanksgiving Day. But we needed his audience to learn a lesson. Sure. And right. we needed Julia to learn a lesson, right? Right. I don't know if she learned a lesson, but we'll get there. Um, we do get everyone casting Julia. We told you so looks. Although that's kind of like, okay. Yeah, no. They so didn't now so. you realize. Um right. And we cut to the final scene. Uh, Julia, Mary Jo, and Charlene are walking him out. Um, and they've loaded him down with all this crappy food that Suzanne made. Cause that's My notes say, to apologize, they give him Suzanne's terrible food? Question mark. Um, <laughs> quite an apology. That Okay. All right. So now I have to read you mine. This is, this is great for the, the audience. Um, but I've <laughs> Also, really? Question mark? Leftovers to make up for this? Try harder, ladies. Try harder. <laughs> See, like, we don't walk you through all the things that are in our notes. But when they're so similar, I, like, can't help but share. Um, but we do get this really great last line from Anthony as they're giving these, like, ridiculous sorries. And he says, hey, don't worry about it, ladies. What can I say? It's been a fine afternoon. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks again for turning me in for murder. <laughs> and he heads out on his way. He's so funny. And he just remains maybe the love of my life. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Move over, Casey. <laughs> Anyways, just kidding. Um, so then uh, that wraps up very quickly. And then they're seeing off Perky and Bernice. Um, this feels again much like the last scene. Yeah. I think we could have just cut <laughs> this whole thing. But but we would have lost Bernice's wise words. That that's true. But they they have this whole strange interaction, and I I just we do actually get Julia mentioning she's wrong. Yeah. Well, I don't know if she says she's wrong, but she says her mom's right. Yeah. <laughs> and she says her mom's right about everything. She's always right. They're gonna do better by her. And then we get like this really well-meaning speech from perky but basically i think she said she they're just kind of like waiting to die in like five years it's like I, that's a short time timeline yeah and then but and it was like kind of like dark because they were like and then we'll all be together again and i was like <laughs> oh my god it was, it was dark it was grim Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um but then 
we lighten it back up with Bernice's quote. Do you have that written down? Do you want to share that? Of course I do. Okay. That's hilarious. Always remember when the sun has gone behind the clouds, when everything has lost its silver lining, when things look their absolute darkest, cover your head with your coat. Bam. (laughs) (laughs) She's so funny. That's all you need to know in life. That's it. Yeah. Do we want to talk about a rating? Sure. You go first. Okay. So I did, I did, I did nothing, but I gave it a three out of five homemade rolls that no one wants. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, I think that rating scale is going to screw up my rating. <laughs> oh, no. Because it sounds like if you hate something, you would want more homemade rolls that no one wants. You would want to assign it more homemade rolls that no one wants because that's how stinky and crappy it is. It's five stinky, crappy homemade rolls no one wants versus just one. You following my logic? No. <laughs> but you know Fine. what? <laughs> Carry on. Uh, but everybody else probably is. Does that help? <laughs> we'll find out. This Selena, she's so dumb. Um, so here's why I gave it three out of five, which I feel like three is my sweet spot. I'm going to have to think about it a little bit as I classify these moving forward. Um, we do get a little payoff from our discussion around Anthony's character. Something we discussed last episode that they're using in his background. In this case, this whole thing about his time in prison, they're using this pretty obviously. It's so on the nose. It's sitting on my nose. But um, as a way to show the audience that some prejudice and hypocrisy exists in our leading ladies. And they lead a little bit of a charmed life because we get this setup between what happens with Julia and what happens with Anthony? Anthony's done nothing. I mean, in this scenario, we understand he's had a, a conviction for something, but we don't know what it is. He's paid his dues. He's done his time. He's trying to turn his life around. I just want to think on the flip side, like what this would look like. It was Julia being Julia to get in the back of that car at the bank line. What's that scenario going to look like if Anthony had gotten in the back of that car? Right. We would have a wildly different, not not a sitcom, not an 80s era sitcom. So I'm not trying to bring it down. I'm just saying like that's in addition to that being half my job on this podcast to bring things down. <laughs> it, it really is like a vastly different scenario. Um, the other reason. So the other reason that I really like this episode, I thought that Anthony and Bernice had some really really funny lines. Um, but I also took points off because the dialogue, even though I know they, I feel like I, I feel like I'm putting them in a can't win situation. So I want to say that I see that about myself right now. It's supposed to be chaotic and I think they're hitting that point, but it felt like almost overly frenetic at some points. And so I thought it just needed just a little bit of smoothing. Um, but I, I, I I did enjoy this episode. Um, huh. on, oh, I will. <laughs> look at this. We're having a design house moment again. Um, I did not. I did not. Uh, I'm with you on what we said earlier. I think the other downfall of this episode was the a lot of the perky stuff was just it felt very thrown in. Like, oh, we right. got to get this. Right. So that's mine. Well, I'm going to I'm going to stick with the rating scale um, 
and I'm a little grouchy that I'm not going to use my own logic, but I'll just say, I'll give it to you. I really didn't like this episode. No, I use think... your skill. <laughs> I'm giving it five stinky, crappy, homemade rolls that no one wants. I really didn't like this episode. Yeah. I think... Um, I think it was Design House that you said um, felt like a filler episode to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what this one feels like to me. I have I actually usually look forward to Thanksgiving episodes on shows. I just feel like they, I don't know, like I think about Friends around Thanksgiving. I always watch the Friends episodes because they're just so well done. Um, and this one had some humor, but the whole this whole thing about Anthony committing murder because he said a couple of things about not liking this man. Uh, I just, I hated that so much. Um, and the perky thing when they, anytime they play that, like dun, dun, dun background family sort of music, I'm just like, ah, you lost me. Uh, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't care for this episode at all. And I was very glad to be done with it. And that's my official rating. That's good. That's what's behind us now. Um, and like, so when you go high, I want to go high. When you go low, I want to go low. <laughs> but yeah, if you put it, if you stack it up against other Thanksgiving episodes from other shows, oh yeah, this doesn't fit the bill. Because right. like, I think Friends episodes were kind of like the pinnacle of Thanksgiving yeah. episodes, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was, it, it's still the same tone, right? Because it's like this mishmash of people that weren't supposed to be together, but suddenly they are, at least in the beginning seasons of Friends, yada, yada, yada. Um, this is not the friends podcast. So there is several of those if you're interested. Um, I am, uh, but anyway, so, uh, do we want to talk eighties things? I think we've kind of covered them, but I, I don't know if you picked up on anything else besides what I, we said. the only two things. And I didn't put Bill Cosby in this section. Cause I was going to talk about him with that other section. I, there was a reference to a beeper and a reference to a, that, that whole car phone reference. Those were my two. We got all the same things. I got nothing else to add. <laughs> um, Southern things. You want to go first? I just got highfalutin again. I thought you were just going to say I just got high. I'm like, <laughs> all right. Right, right, right. All no, right, all right, all right. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I just want to say again that it's at the end of a work day. <laughs> the end. After. Okay. So, um... My thing that I said here is not a lot of Southern in this one to me. Um, Perky being dramatic about never seeing them anymore, not talking as much. I can't speak for all Southerners. I can't believe I want to say this, but it oh. sure sounds it sure sounds oh. like, oh, no. Oh, where is this going? I was just going to say it sure does sound like members of my family. So. Don't alienate our listener. <laughs> I didn't say which family member i said it just sounds like my family members <laughs> they can all be guilty of it from time to time okay. sure um the other thing that struck me is actually bernice hmm. i it have it put me in the mind of southern eccentrics oh i, I don't know if that struck you or not um no so this feels a little bit <laughs> i was like, gonna agree with you and that's like no i didn't think about that at all no, I was just waiting for you to be like, Selena, we're going to get this in under an hour if you shut up. <laughs> so, but I would just say that, like, it feels a little bit like a Southern trope to me. Um, you know, we had, like, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. I was thinking about, like, Lady Chablis, um, which is an iconic Savannah drag performer. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird's Boo Radley. Um Weezer from Still Magnolias. I want to be very clear. Lady Chablis is a real person. 
the other two characters are fictional, um, at least to my knowledge. <laughs> so, um, but they are like they do sort of play up like these qualities um, that just put them in what most people I think would consider like an eccentric category. Um, and they may be completely different, different backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses, race, ethnicities, some fictional, some are real, like I said, but they're all these larger than life characters. Um, and, uh, I also noted the term highfalutin used again, second episode in a row. Last time from Suzanne referring to Charlene's title, here Perky describing Julia's principles. I wanted to say that because they also have Anthony using the word uncouth in back-to-back episodes. I thought that was kind of weird. I'm curious to see. I guess maybe we'll be doing some tracking. I don't know. But maybe not. (laughs) I'm getting a blank stare from Nikki. We're not tracking, guys. You track it. Does Anthony say uncouth again? But it just felt weird to me to use both of those very standout words in two back-to-back episodes so i actually have had this a couple since that episode and this episode uncouth on the bingo card because i just assumed this was going to be a thing he does now Mm -hmm. Uh, but i didn't mention it because i had other bingo entries so i don't know i guess we'll see and it may be and i'm and the uncouth is back-to-back i'm sorry let me go ahead and uh recalibrate here primrose says or julia uses uncouth in episode four to describe primrose the woman uh that uh pain takes home so uh it has been a couple but those are just really standout words to me uh lbt lbt she was a writer on all three Mm. um she was the sole writer on all but design house so i don't know i thought that was kind of Kind of interesting, not totally interesting. You're welcome. Um, And then Perky says, worrying about things that don't amount to a hill of beans. Mm -hmm. That sounded very Southern to me. That's all my Southern things. Well done. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Take it home, Nikki. (laughs) So next time we'll cover episode eight. I do. I don't. Which sounds interesting. Um, as always, we'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. We're on Instagram at Sweet Tea and TV and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Selena, anything you want to add about social media engagement? I just want to say again, uh, we are covering designing women, and that's a big part of what we'll be talking about on social media. But um, we really do want to see the different things that uh, make the South your South, quote unquote, uh, the things that you love. We're trying to share some of those. In fact, uh, I recently returned from a trip to Charleston and Savannah and shared out on our social media uh, some really cool things or pretty things that I saw there. Just, you know, we're trying to kick this thing off. Uh, Nikki shared some really beautiful pictures um, recently as well. We'd love to see, um, you know, your backyard too. It could literally be your backyard, but it could also be other things. Um, And show us some food. Yeah, I really need to see some Southern food. Yeah, I'm dieting now that I'm back from my trip. So show me some biscuits. So you can also email us at sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. And as always, we're online at www.sweetteatv.com. 
and stick around for Nikki's nipples and I be as a boy, be as a boy uh, for the history of pie. And I just want to say one last thing before we close, which is that Nikki has a cold and she still sounds better than me. <laughs> I thought we were going to make, I was trying so hard not to sniff in. I was trying not to cough. I thought we were going to make it the whole episode without telling anyone my dirty, disgusting secret. Oh, I'm telling on you. <laughs> I'm telling on you because uh. you've done, you know, because you've sounded so good. And I'm like, why do I sound so bad? That was me throwing down my pen. <laughs> I wanted to give you something to clean up in the audio. Perfect. Thank yes. You. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I guess we'll see you around at the bend. Bye. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My love. She's snorting. I'm wheezing. If you guys aren't tuning in for this, you're really missing out. And with that, we're cutting it. Bye. I'm co-opting this edition of Extra Sugar to bring you our second Nikki's Nibbles. Come on, y'all. Let's talk fiddles. Nikki's Nibbles. Come on, y'all. Let's eat. That's right, folks. A two for one. This segment is brought to you courtesy of Charlene's One Pie in One Sitting Confession in Episode 6. Not to mention the entire Thanksgiving episode seven we just covered. So, Selena, may I present to you Nikki's Nibbles, a brief history of pie. Woo! <laughs> and just so you guys know, that's Nibbles N I B is in breast, B is in breast, L E S. Sure. There you have it. Perfect. So earlier today, I made a pie drop for my fabulous co-host. Uh, Selena, in front of you right now, you have two pecan pies. It's That's my right. I pie. say I say pecan. What do you say? Pecan. Yeah, I don't say pecan. I don't say pecan. I say pecan. I know it's not right. That's what I say. Let's move on. Uh, so one is homemade. The other one is bakery bought. One is labeled A, one is labeled B. I have sliced them into smaller, less identifiable versions mm -hmm. uh, because I feel like the, the bakery bought one looks professional. Mine was made a little bit under duress. Uh, so <laughs> I don't think I should be held to the same standard. That's how I always bake. <laughs> so what I want you to do is while I share some educational pie nibbles, I'd like you to have some legit pie nibbles and tell me which one is homemade and which one is store-bought. Note, I did not say, tell me which is your favorite. Okay. I said, which is store-bought and which is homemade. I just have to say, I can't stop smiling because this is the best thing that's happened to me. <laughs> Someone dropped off pie today. It's a person I actually like. And... 
And now I get to sit here and hear about the history of pie. And then, like, I also get to do, like, a quiz of sorts, if you will. Yes. Yeah. So, you dig in. Okay. Whenever you're ready, you dig in. Okay. Keep keep track of which one's A and which one's B. Um, and I will lead us through a brief history of pie. So, several sources seem to indicate that the earliest pies were actually galettes or flat, free-form, crusty cakes in Egypt. These morphed into a sweet pastry or a dessert. Uh, and when I looked into this, it was actually like a glob of honey in the middle of a grain or an oat crust, mm. which kind of sounds delicious. It sounds very delicious. Uh, so there's actually evidence of this on the tomb walls of the Pharaoh Ramesses II, who ruled from 1304 to 1237 B.C., uh, in the Valley of the Kings. So it's actually, in, there's like actually an inscribed drawing, like a drawing on the wall of his tomb of a person holding a platter, like of baked deliciousness. It looks like pancakes on this platter. Mm. So they believe this was maybe the earliest pies. So according to both the National Pie Council, which is a thing, and whatscookingamerica.net for nearly all of the history of pie, Crust was not the tasty treat we know to be a graham cracker crust or a flaky shortbread crust. Nay, in fact, historically, for hundreds of years, a pastry shell was the only form of a baking container used for anything, meaning that everything was a pie. They just cooked it right in this pastry shell. Hmm. Unfortunately, it also means that the crust was oftentimes too hard to eat, which, as a crust lover, is a real shame to me. Wait, I have a question. Uh, wait, sure. hold on. Am I allowed to ask questions? I suppose. Okay. I probably don't have answers. So you're you talking ask. about like the savory pies, like literally whatever they had, they would put it in a pie. Could be savory. Okay. Could be honey. Okay. Anything's on the table. Anything's on the table. All right. Sorry. Please continue. To your point, though, regrettably, the early pies were predominantly meat pies. Um. So pies uh, originally appeared in England as early as the 12th century, though it sounds pretty undecided whether that referred to baked pies. Uh, the first sure reference to kind of the pie as we know it now appeared in the Oxford English Dictionary in the 14th century. So I think the point is the word pie could have been referring to something different than what we know as pie. Mm -hmm. But we know the word itself, pie, appeared uh, in the Oxford English Dictionary in the 14th century. Um, so I did find a couple of sources that note that the word pie uh, may be related to the magpie, which is, I, I wrote it down as a quote, a bird known for collecting, you look like you know that from your hand gestures. <laughs> she has a mouthful of pie and there's some hand gestures Whoa. of like piling mm -hmm. things up. You need to say what hand gesture it wasn't. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It wasn't a finger gesture. Oh, right. <laughs> She just like this gesture of piling things up because the magpie is known for collecting odds and ends in its nest. So that is what it sounds like the early pies were. That was, was me just flying. a collection. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. I just love that you thought my arm motions were that smart for piling. I, I only saw you I, I saw you out of the corner of my eye and what it looked like you were doing was like gathering things. And I'm just so in my head about a magpie now. <laughs> Any hoozy. In England, the crust was referred to as a coffin. Oh. 
That's weird, right? C-O-F-F-Y-N. Uh, there was actually more crust than filling. Mm-hmm. That's A-OK in my mm-hmm. book. That sounds like a delight. Uh, so again, often these pies were made using fowl and the leg. <laughs> this part got graphic. The legs were left to hang over the side of the dish and used as handles. Oh, well, that's useful. Glad that didn't continue. Uh, so fruit pies or tarts, those are usually called pasties, were probably first made in the 1500s. And English tradition credits uh, making the first cherry pie to Queen Elizabeth I. Unclear whether that was her directing a cook to make it for her or if she made it herself. I'm not sure. Um, Pies were a staple of traveling and working people in cold northern European countries. So this is where like that um, the meat pies come in Shepherd's into pie. play. Correct, right? And so they were distinguished in these various countries by their locally available crops. So let's fast forward to the thing as Americans we care about: America. <laughs> pies came to America <laughs> with the first English settlers. America. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia said the first Thanksgiving feast included fowl and venison, which may have been included in pies. Fun fact, settlers preferred pies over bread because they required less flour and they could really make them with anything they had easily available. Okay, I disagree with that completely. (laughs) I think making a pie crust was harder than graduating school. It it is very challenging. That's just me. That's just me. As a person who made one this week, it is very challenging. Um, so early American pie crusts were not eaten. Again, like we talked about a few minutes ago, they were actually designed just to hold the filling during the baking. So you would eat just the inside. Um, and it was during the American Revolution that the term crust was used instead of coffin. So they actually brought the word coffin over from England so we to talk crust. to the crust. The word. That's right. Okay. The word. The word, not the actual concept. So over the years, pie has evolved to what it has become today, which is oftentimes called the most traditional American dessert. Uh, As with most culinary things in America, uh, each nationality and culture has brought with it their own interpretation or addition to the pie. So, for example, Wikipedia credited the Pennsylvania Dutch with having contributed, quote, a more aromatic, spiced and less sweet style of pie making while the French brought the approach of making pie with butter and a range of tart galette and pâté. Um, and in the U.S. South, African Americans enjoyed sweet potato pies due to the widespread availability of this type of potato. And in the Northeast, pumpkin pie was really popular because pumpkins were so widely available. Um, so to get to the pie you're enjoying today, Selena... The earliest published pecan pie recipe was in an 1866 issue of Harper's Bazaar. Interestingly, most cookbooks didn't include it until the 1940s, and it was around that time that it became that it became frequently identified as a Southern recipe. Ah, that was going to be my next question because I identified as super Southern. Yes, yeah, I think it. Um, it wasn't super popular until the late 1800s, and then it seems pretty quickly became pretty like totally identified as this kind of southern delicacy Hmm. i think because pecans are such a crop here uh so unfortunately as with everything delicious big nutrition came after it 
In the late 1800s, Sarah Tyson Rohrer, a cooking teacher and food editor, stated that all pie crusts, quote, are to be condemned. Wow, that's aggressive. There was something like you you could she she claimed they were made with such fatty terrible ingredients that you couldn't digest them. Hmm. Um so in 1866, Harper's Bazaar in an interestingly, I guess the same year as the uh, pecan pie recipe. <laughs> Harper's, what's going on? Uh they claimed, although we cry for pie when we are infants, <laughs> pie kills us finally. Because the crust can't be digested. So dramatic. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't find any evidence that they were, like, putting steel or something, like arsenic, in pie crust. So I'm not sure what that's all about. Uh, that hate is, like, totally lost on me. But that hate toward pie crust and pie in general, plus industrialization and women going into the workforce, uh, because apparently only women can make pie, resulted in a downturn for this delectable delicacy. Taking it from something that was once made in households weekly to only an occasional indulgence. I didn't what know the nutrition thing at all. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought the time thing for sure. Yeah. Well, also, nor did I, I guess, except for maybe like old cartoons, you know, they put the pie in the window and the smell would waft mm-hmm. out and someone would come up, you know, like I think of that. But it's very weird to me to think of someone making pie every week. Hmm. I mean, well. wonderful. Weird. I mean, I didn't live in the 1800s, but people did it. I'm sure that also refers not just like an apple pie once a week, although I do think that's a thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't ever go to restaurants, like if you're only eating in your house all the time and you eat dessert most days, you can go through a pie in a week with a family of four or five or six or eight. Oh, I didn't say I couldn't go through a pie. <laughs> <laughs> you and I identify with Charlene. I could, I could eat one in a night. Yes. I, I wasn't kidding about the sheet cake. I I will get my in-laws on here to vouch for me that over the course of Casey's uncle's 50th birthday, I almost finished off a Costco cake by myself. Yes, other people had it, but over the course of the day, I kept going back for, I don't know, 25ths. I couldn't so Sarah myself. Tyson Rohrer would have been very disappointed in you. Uh, but fortunately... Going back to our story here, uh, pie rebounded, (laughs) which is really what we all want to hear. After World War II, the pie was back. Instant pudding and Cool Whip helped it along because it made it so much easier to make pie. And then when they made the kind of like ready-made pie crust, that took out what you said earlier, the hard part of making it. So uh, Wikipedia interestingly called the 1980s, so the Designing Women era, a renaissance for pie. Oh, and there we come full circle. I love it. That's amazing. Uh, so I have a couple parting words as you finally consider which pie you think was homemade and which was bakery bought. Uh, I would encourage all of our listeners to consider joining the American Pie Council. Uh, it is a darn bargain at a lifetime fee of $45. You get access to their quarterly newsletter, The Pie Times. Not to be confused with high times. Well, you could put those two together. Sure, they could fit. And a repository of recipes. And they also have a really nice historical timeline of pie. Oh, that's so cute. I was actually going to ask earlier, how do we get involved? And I didn't, <laughs> there you I didn't go. know it was open. I thought maybe you had to be born into it or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's open to plebes like us, just general pie lovers. Got it. So not like a... Daughters of the American Revolution or something. 
No. Okay. However, they did have levels of membership. So we would we would qualify, I think, as amateurs, but there was also like business and oh gosh, I want to some kind of version of professional. Uh I also want everybody to know what distinguishes the various types of pies. So pies like people many times are defined by their crust. So a filled pie uh, is what's known as kind of like a single crust or a bottom crust. Um, that's like a pecan pie. So it has the pastry lining the baking dish and then the filling is placed on top of it and the top is left open. A top crust pie has the filling in the bottom of the dish and then it's just covered by the pastry uh, before baking. Then, then this is, these are my favorites, the two crust pie, where the filling is completely enclosed in the pastry shell. Um, a short crust pastry is the typical kind of pastry used for pie crust. So that's what you're eating, Selena, is a short crust. Uh, but of course, you can use all kinds of things. Graham cracker crumbs are my favorite, like a good chocolate s'mores pie or something with a graham cracker um, crust. But I also read that you can use baking powder biscuits and mashed potatoes. I guess that would be like a shepherd's pie, maybe. Except I've always made a shepherd's pie with... Yeah, I guess that's what it is. There you go. I just researched it right here while we're talking. So finally, uh, I just want everybody to walk away knowing pie is the food of the heroic. No pie-eating people can ever be permanently vanquished. Those words of wisdom were published in the New York Times in 1902. So Selena... Back to you. This has been the Nikki show. Back to you. Which one was homemade and which was bakery bought? I'm going to, first of all, very enjoyable. What a show. <laughs> Thank you. Give me a little clap. And um, this was a little bit of a challenge. We'll see how that sounds on the recording. I really tried to turn my head to eat. Um, I think that A is store-bought and B is homemade. Holy moly, you did not get that right. Really? Really. And I thought for sure the second you bit into it, A was the one I made, B was the store-bought. Okay, are you going to let me let me say? I know you said not to say favorites. First of all, I they're very different. They're both pie, and I get that, but they're very different. I haven't tried the, I obviously didn't try the second one. Well, I, I don't want to say obviously. What I gave you was like a mini pie in a little pie container. Mm -hmm. So I just cut you a little slice. So I didn't get to try that one. So I have no idea what that one tastes like. I mean. The store-bought one. First of all, your, hmm, let me, the crust that you made is <laughs> phenomenal. Oh, hey, that's nice. It's phenomenal. It's so Aww, good. That's kind. Yeah, I love it. And it also it it was prettier to me. Really? Mm hmm. Huh. I thought it was prettier. I th I don't know. It's it's more like glamorous or something. The other one just I mean mm -hmm. they're both they're both nice looking. You're both nice looking. <laughs> you can catch you a man. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> but I don't I don't know. I just I'm yeah. Now there was something there was something different that almost I could almost taste the vanilla in this store bought mm. one. Um, oh, interesting. And uh but yeah, it's absolutely delicious. I think you could say I'm pleased as pie to hear that. Actually, so I have a few funny things that you say. First of all, I want to say they're both maple bourbon pecan pies. Uh 
So I bought the bakery bought one at Crave Pie Studio, which is right here in Duluth, in downtown Duluth, Georgia. Um, it's a very cute place. Incidentally, I did all my research for this and then went to pick up the pie. And they had that New York Times quote on the wall that I just read to you, which oh, was funny. really funny. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, both maple, bourbon, pecan. Funny things to say. Uh, one, <laughs> I thought there was a lot of bourbon in the ones that I made. I just was kept pouring uh, and pouring according to the recipe. So good luck with that. Okay. Uh, part two, while I was making it. So again, I said I made it under duress. We've talked a lot about, uh, and we don't need to belabor the point, but just it's 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 a busy time. We both have full-time jobs. We're just squeezing this in where we can after work. So I was making these pies like real quick, trying to like get something to be able to give you in time for this. Uh, and one of my worries was that I didn't have time to get the crust thin enough and I was, I was really worried that it was a really thick crust. And as a crust lover, mm -hmm. that was feeling okay to me. But I taste tested one of them. And I was like, if I were on the Great, um, uh, the great British Bake Off, their one piece of feedback would be, that was a lot of crust, very minimal, you know, filling. The cr it was a lot of crust. But the crust was good. So, and I like crust more than I like filling. So, for me, it's, I do the, too. For me, it's the perfect pie. I don't, care, I don't care what the British Bake Off says. This For is, me, this is you're the your perfect co-host. Oh, stop that. It was wonderful, though. <laughs> oh, well, that was it. really fun. Thank you for playing along. Thank you for trying. Thank you for being willing to give that pie a go. Yeah. Th thanks for being willing to eat pie. Well, if I guess I got it, then I just got to eat pie. <laughs> Uh. Um, so I will be happy to put the recipe. So I combined kind of two recipes to make that pie. Uh, I made mini pies. Um, so I combined two recipes to make them. So uh, I would be happy to put those in the show notes along with some of my references. I said a lot of Wikipedia, but actually I had references from other places as well. So I'd be happy to put those in show notes and a link to the National Pie Council. Nice. I love it. I was going to end it by just jokingly asking you which was your favorite, but I think you already told me which one. I did. I couldn't help so, myself. So. That, my friends, is the extra sugar.